Hey everyone, welcome to Faith in the Fold, a podcast for ministry, biblical studies, and Christian living. I'm your host, Kevin Burr. Today I got to sit down with a friend and former student of mine, Matt Love, pulpit minister for the BB Church of Christ in BB, Arkansas. Now, although Matt's a young minister, he has several years of ministry experience, and I enjoyed getting to hear from him how he has grown over the years. I was encouraged by and appreciated his humility and wisdom, and whether you're a minister or not, I know you'll be encouraged too. If you enjoy the kinds of conversations we're having here on the podcast, would you be willing to like and subscribe to us, and maybe share us with someone who you think might benefit from this? And as always, thank you so much for tuning in today. Matt, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I really appreciate you being able to take some time to sit down with us. Before we get started, let me ask you, would you mind telling us a little bit about kind of what you're doing, where you are, how you got your start in ministry, all that good stuff? Good. Well, um, Kevin, thank you for, can I call you Kevin? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Should I, I call you Dr. Burr? Or? <laughs> well, you did, see, you didn't know me as Dr. Burr when, I, okay. uh, when, I, when you were uh, a student of mine a while ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Kevin, Kevin works Kevin's great. Fine. Okay. Okay. I make my current students call me doc. I don't make them, but anyway, <laughs> but <yeah>. they do. <laughs> they well, do. They're polite. That's good. My name is Matthew Love and I, um, am the preaching minister at the BB church of Christ in central Arkansas. And I grew up in churches of Christ. I grew up in a fairly conservative, smaller rural church in Southeast Ohio. And so my upbringing and my um, just the culture that I've been steeped in is very much Church of Christ. And I am thankful for that in, in many ways. And um, I love that heritage, love the heritage that I'm still a part of. Uh, came to Harding, um, where I was a missions and Bible major, went to Harding School of Theology, mm-hmm. uh, where I got a Master of Divinity. And uh, I've been here at BB for about 10 years five years in youth ministry here at this church. And then uh, this summer is going to be six years in, in preaching here. Um, after finishing at HST, Harding School of Theology in Memphis, I uh, began working on a PhD in preaching at Baylor. And uh, one of the things that we may get to that later a little bit, but one of the things that attracted me to that program was that I didn't have to move and so that's how I'm still here and doing that program. And mm-hmm. I uh, travel to Waco about once every two months working on that. Um, I have a uh, family um, married for this May will be 10 years, which wow. is just amazing. So yeah, really excited about 10 year anniversary, a decade of marriage and have a six-year-old girl named Shiloh. And then we just had a boy January 24th. And so if I'm a little, um, oh, wow. Of this year lagging. Yeah. This year. So wow, he's man, like congratulations. Six, seven weeks, almost seven weeks old. <laughs> wow. So his name is August Matthew. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a six-year-old girl, a newborn boy and, uh, been married about 10 years. So life is good for us, even if we're dragging a little bit for lack of sleep. Sure. Totally understandable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't know that you had been at uh, the BB church of Christ for about 10 years. And I honestly have forgotten that you had started out as a youth minister. 10 years yes. at one place seems mm-hmm. unusual for a guy in his early 30s. Is that right? Yeah, I'm 32. Okay. So I actually began here um, 
while I was in college still. I hadn't graduated. I was one of those who went five years at Harding. So mm-hmm. I kind of uh, wasn't quite as structured or planned as I probably should have been. And around the, uh, I think junior year was when I was reached out to by um, a certain person in the church named Max Sandlin, who some people know of or mm-hmm. heard of. Currently he a professor cur- at Harding University, is that right? Professor, yes, uh, of theology there. And um, he reached out, he was a youth minister here, reached out to me. And then uh, it's, you know, ever since we've been, been here, transitioned, I think, I guess it was 2015 to preaching. Um, that would, yeah, that would be six years this summer, 2015 is when we started preaching here. So it's been a great, great church. And I was thinking about this earlier, you know, a lot of people move from church to church. And so mm-hmm. when they talk about churches, they can be kind of vague about, well, at this one church, there was this one really crotchety person who <laughs> gave me a lot of trouble. I, think I don't really have that benefit because if I right. say too much, uh, people will say, uh, there's, you've only been to one church. So yeah. uh, who's, who are you talking about? So kind of have to watch uh, some of the stories that I tell, but I'll, I don't uh, have that many bad stories to tell. Yeah, that's, a, that's a blessing for sure. I'll be <laughs> yeah. sure to, to phrase the question in such a way to where you can say, well, I've heard that some people <laughs> some say, people. or some people do that way. And you can, away. you can always just use yourself at, at, like use your own examples, but say, well, at, a, a friend did or something like that. Stay anonymous. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Matt, I, I, I'm excited to, to get to talk with you about this. Yeah. Um, well, I, it, you hopefully, uh, yeah, I, hopefully it will come up later a little bit more about your PhD in preaching. Okay. Um, usually when folks think, at least for me, usually when folks think about a, about a degree in preaching, something more along the lines of a doctor of ministry comes up. Yeah. But like I said, we might be able to get to that in a little bit. Okay. But well, the thing that I really wanted to start us off with is this, what's one or two lessons that you have learned in your 10 years of ministry? Yeah. Um, That is a huge question, obviously. (laughs) So like anything that I've learned, uh, it's kind of overwhelming to think about. I think one of the things that's been on my mind quite a bit recently is a pretty simple lesson, which is that ministry is very hard Mm. and preaching is very hard. And that sort of ties in going back to those studies that I'm in right now. Um, if there's one thing that I'm learning, it's that, which is kind of humorous, kind of ironic. Um, but this is, it's a difficult, it's a difficult calling. It's a difficult uh, thing to do well. And I am a, as I understand the Enneagram for those people who put much stock into that, um, my co it. my coworkers do. I haven't okay. read uh, anything about it, but I I could I know there are nine numbers. Yeah, nine nine numbers. Um, I don't know a whole lot about it, but what I understand is that I'm a one, which um, which can have some sort of perfectionistic tendencies. So mm. I can be pretty hard on myself. I think about yeah. how I'm doing and ways I could be doing better. But I think regardless, um, ministry is just really difficult and. I think my, pers- my perspective growing up in the church and, you know, when you're in college, um, you can be a little bit idealistic about this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to have this great impact on people and it's all going to come very easy. I am, you know, me and my gifts, we're the answer to the, you know, problems that are at large in the church. Yeah. And 10 years in now, um, I just, I, I just am becoming more and more aware of just how, how much work 
it really takes um, how much dependence on God and God's spirit that mm -hmm. it takes to um, do church work well. And there are certainly those figures who get into ministry and are uh, extremely lazy or don't put the time in or whatever, or maybe even on the other end, those who it comes really easy to, and it's, you know, it's easy to, uh, or at least they make it look easy. But in my experience, um, I am learning just how much time and work and prayer and reliance on God that it takes to, to serve well. Yeah. I, I had kind of a strange, strange uh, route into ministry. Um, I was not a Bible major at Harding. I was a, I was a history major mm -hmm. and then eventually got a master's of science and education because I was thinking I was going to teach high school history and social studies. And it was the day that I stepped foot into the school building for my pre-student teaching. So not even real student teaching, right? I was just observing and all yeah. like I had to present two lessons. The day that I stepped foot in there, the moment that I stepped foot in there, I thought, nope, this isn't <laughs> it, which is a really weird place to be because like by that time I'm halfway through a master's degree mm -hmm. and don't have a great idea about what I'm wanting to do. I did eventually get to this point though when I started my MDiv in 2010. Um, I got to this point that you mentioned where I, I eventually started to feel that that I and my gifts are the answer to the woes that beset the church. And I, I can't help but ask Matt, since you and I have both kind of found ourselves in that place, yeah. where do you think that idea comes from? Are we just idealistic? Are we, are we arrogant? What, where do you hmm. think that comes from? Where did yeah. that come from in you, I guess? Yeah, and I don't know if it's necessarily uh, unique to ministry and to, um, yeah, to preachers and ministers of, of any sort. Um, I think that it's the temptation of, of youthful people, inexperienced people, um, mm -hmm. and, and passionate people. There's something, you know, to be said of youthful passion and excitement to get into the real world and to do some good. There's, yeah. there's something good there, but, um, maybe sometimes that's accompanied with some hubris of, uh, it's going to be easy for me. Um, and so a lot of it, I think is just born out of ignorance. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, maybe pride as well, like you mentioned, but I think a lot of it is just ignorance, not really knowing people, um, not knowing how churches work, systems, um, knowing, yeah, just history and appreciating those who've come before us, something that our, our society does not do very well. Uh, we, we like the novel and the new, and uh, we sometimes dismiss tradition or ritual or older people in general, uh, oh, yeah. older ideas, you know, passe ideas. And um, so, that's a great question where that comes from. I have yeah. to give that some more thought. I, I mean, definitely as a history major oh. and just had that, that was rooted. My desire to be a history major was rooted in my love for history. Um, what I didn't realize at the time was that m my greatest love was really for understanding the Bible and understanding the world that the Bible came from, I didn't have language to, you know, kind of to put that in. I, I wasn't able to verbalize all that, Yeah. but I, I eventually, I eventually found that when I was, uh, 
you know, when I was able to verbalize that and when I was able to, you know, kind of really start honing in on what it was that I wanted to do, I very quickly found when I started my MDiv that I was in this place that you just mentioned. Um, I was ignorant. I didn't know what I didn't know. And um, it, I, I'm mad. I, I think that that is something that really does plague a lot of young ministers, not, not for any fault of their own, mm-hmm. except for the fact that you're just young and you, uh, you maybe don't have a ton of uh, life experience. You mentioned knowing people, knowing systems, being aware of all that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, can I ask how how did you get to know those things? How did you get to become familiar with those kinds of things? What what steps yeah. you know, were mentor figures there helping you work through that kind of thing? That's a good. That's a really good question. One of the things that has really benefited me is me being situated in the same place for ten years. Mm, yeah. And I, I know that that's not for everybody. I know that not every situation is the same. Um, people get pushed from churches or pulled into other churches and that kind of thing. There's problems and, and whatever. But for me, um, I have been very grateful that I've found a place where I've been able to stay for a decade in my first church. And I think that that, I mean, if I could encourage young ministers, um, with something, this, this is not hard and fast law. You have to stay or whatever, see through everything, every issue that comes up. But um, there are just huge dividends that come through staying, sticking with one place. Uh, no place is perfect. No church is perfect. Um, and some churches are less perfect than other churches, <laughs> I'm sure. And, and I also don't have a whole lot to compare this church to. Right. So as far as I was going to ask, know, tell us all the ways in which BB is less than perfect. No, I'm yeah, kidding. <laughs> no. Oh, see, I can't do that. All right, I, I have yeah. a friend who wants uh, this church. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, just, you know, just um, being with one church and, you know, you think about the years that I've been here from age 22 to 32 and at least those people who are listening or watching this who have who are about that age or older know that those years are actually pretty um pretty formative and, and yeah. looking back on the past decade just in general whether you're out of church or not just maturity wise uh, moving from a person in college a, a, a young adult to i guess i'm still a young adult but uh, moving toward middle age um in that time i've had um you know, I've, I've been married, I've had two kids, I've been in youth ministry, I've been preaching here, and then just um, really getting to know people. And it's not just, um, you know, I don't want to just make it too cerebral, where we think, well, this, I need to know information about the systems or about the church history or traditions here or whatever it is. Um, but appreciating those stories um, so there's not, there's an uh, affectionate side of that as well. Not just knowing it, but valuing it, seeing, really seeing good that's already there in the church that has been there before you. Um, and I think just being humbled by some of that history, some of the, the work that precedes and will 
um, post seed. There's a word I'm sure um, that's not Su coming. Su is it succeed? <laughs> succeed me. Yeah. yeah. The, the <laughs> Thank you. That's why you're the host and I'm, I'm the guest. <laughs> But yeah, the, the good and the work that's been, you know, so long before me and, um, and will continue so long after me. I have a professor at Baylor right now who talks about uh, traditions and the tradition of preaching as a sort of river. And this, this metaphor isn't unique to him. And I'm not really sure where it comes from. But basically, the river, the tradition of preaching has been flowing long before I ever step into it in the place where I step into it mm -hmm. and it will keep flowing long after I step out of it or yeah. however the metaphor goes. And I think that's also true in, in this church in any church. And that's a really kind of humbling thing to, um, to appreciate that. Um, speaking of another lesson, the church doesn't revolve around me mm. and I, the preacher, especially in a medium size or smaller church, BB has about, well, pre-pandemic, we had about 220-ish, give or take 30 people. Yeah. And in a church that size, especially where there's a preacher, there's youth minister, there's a secretary, and, you know, um, we don't have a huge staff is, is what I'm trying to get at. Right. It, it's tempting to step into those roles and think this youth program or this ministry revolves around me as this central figure there's a part of that that's very true. And then there's another part of that is, you know, who am I kidding? This, um, <laughs> these people were coming to church before I got here. They'll be coming to church after I leave or after I die. Mm -hmm. um, this is not all about me. So, yeah, man, ministry is hard. Yeah. And the church doesn't revolve around me. Yeah. It sounds like in the, in the best, most positive sense, you've learned to be humble yeah. in ministry. Is that a fair assessment? Well, I don't want to pride myself on being too <laughs> humble, <laughs> but uh, I, think, I think that's absolutely true. When I was thinking about, um, you had given me a few questions ahead of time just to be thinking about to prime the mm -hmm. pump, and humility was one of the words that did come to mind of if I'm doing this right, there's a genuine humility that comes with serving a church. So absolutely. Yeah. Well, and also something that you had mentioned within the last few minutes reminded me of this. Um, and I've, I, I, for those of you who aren't watching, sorry, uh, you can't see me holding up my notes that I'm taking here. Um, you know, as Matt is uh, making excellent point after excellent point. Um, you mentioned something that made me think of the importance of finding a church that can help you as a person, not just as a minister, uh, hopefully, ideally also as a minister, but you as a person, oh, yeah. finding a church that can help you as a person grow or mature, that implies some degree of humility as well. Because yeah. if, if there is need for growth, then that implies some degree of either incompletion or imperfection or something along those lines. Yeah. And, uh, you know, at, right. at, at least some degree, I think. Yeah. And what you've said is that, mm. I mean, this church, these, these folks there have, um, they've kind of walked with you through life. Oh, you yeah. got married, you had two kids and have, um, have found yourself finishing up a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, and, an, and now working on a PhD with them. 
it really does sound like this is the kind of church that that you found that has helped you grow and mature in oh, many yeah. ways. Yes. Yeah. So, and um, I, I have a, a pretty holistic assumption about my life as a person, which I think is, is good. Um, and I assume that about other people as well. So for me, the growth in just life and maturity in my person as a human being from age 22 to 32. Um, yeah, there's no way of separating, disentangling that from my growth spiritually, my growth as a minister. Yeah. And in some ways, I think it's benefited me. And this is maybe a, a unique opportunity that, again, I, I can't say blanket statement for every church, but my kind of feeling has been in this church that there's sort of a benefit that comes with being younger as a minister that um, a lot of people, especially I've found older people, um, like 50, 60 above, are especially gracious with you, um, at least many of them. Uh, my elders and their wives in particular, that's one group of people that I think of that have just been really supportive not afraid to, um, you know, have a sit down with me about something that, you know, maybe a mistake that I've made or something sure. that needs to be yeah. done or something like that. Um, but really been in my corner and supported me through those degrees through life. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that there's kind of a, if that makes sense, a sort of a, an opportunity there for younger ministers that you have permission to grow because who are you kidding? You know, if you're 22 years old and you're preaching to people in the church that are 75 years old, <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, they know that you're, you know, nobody thinks that you're like completely mature, completely put together, have all the answers. Um, right. And if you think that, then you're just, you know, fooling yourself. Um <laughs> But yeah. those people, I think, that are 75 and looking at you, even if you feel that way and think, yeah, that, that hubris of I've got the answers. Again, in my experience, there's been that, that generosity mm -hmm. and grace of, of saying, hey, we're, we're raising this minister. <laughs> I yeah. don't hear that very often anymore, but I, I did hear it you know, a few years ago of people would introduce me. Um, to people in the community or something to say, and this is our preacher that we're raising uh, because I was so young <laughs> and I look young. I get told, I get told that all the time that I look younger than I am. Uh -huh. But anyway. Yeah. You don't, don't look at, you don't, too much. Oh, you don't look a day over 31. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's generous. Some, a lot of people uh, wonder if I'm still in the youth group or something like that. <laughs> I got that a lot. I'm that's not as fortunate as you to be able to grow such facial hair. So again, those of you who are listening will not be able to appreciate Kevin's yeah, great just, beard. Uh, it, it, okay. If you know what I look like, just imagine that uh, me without a beard <laughs> and uh, you know, without... That's, uh, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Um, it's fascinating <laughs> because I, 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 found a, I found kind of a similar experience. Or I, I had a similar experience with the church that I worked at in Central Kentucky while I was uh, working on my doctorate up there. Um, the overwhelming majority of my interactions with uh, folks from the church were folks who, who were gracious towards yeah. me and, and, and understood that, you know, I, yeah, I've been married for a while. I've, uh, I've got a master's degree. I'm working on a doctorate, 
the previous minister who was uh, serving at that church before I and another friend uh, took over part time, he had done the same master's degree. He had been working on the same uh, doctorate or working in the same doctorate program. And uh, they loved and respected him immensely. And uh, we were able to, uh, despite being young, my, my family was, was treated very well. And we were, um, you know, folks were very yeah. gracious with us yeah. um, in, in all of that. One of the things that, uh, that I think is really important for young ministers is to have some kind of mentor or mentor figure. I honestly think it would be valuable to have, and I, I'm looking down at my notes here to, to you know, make yeah. sure that I'm kind of tracking along here. I honestly think it's, it's important to have, at least in some seasons of life, an, a, an official, like almost sanctioned, you know, mentor-mentee relationship. Yeah. I think that that happens less often than maybe it should, but I wanted to ask you, since you've been talking about growth and, and, and maturity mm-hmm. and all that, how have mentors or, or, or mentor figures helped shape you? Are there like particular instances? And a mentor, I guess, doesn't have to be somebody who's 30 years older than you. Mm-hmm. Um, right. it, it could be somebody you know, 10, 15 years older right. than you or whatever. But how, how have those folks and, and those relationships kind of shaped you as a minister? Well, that's a great question. Um, and I'm not sure that um, I'm the I'm going to give the best answer um, because if I think I could do better to have that relationship, like you're saying, of a specific person okay, who yeah. I meet with weekly or monthly or whatever to talk about things, and I have that more informally. If I yeah. were to think of one person that I have that with, it would be Mac. I mentioned Mac Sandlin. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, he's been um, really a big bigger brother to me ever since I started. He was the, the person who got me connected to the church. He was the youth minister before me. So then, you know, in that role, I turned to him quite a bit mm-hmm. um, to ask him questions about the youth group. He actually grew up in this church. So he knew not only experience for 10 years in youth ministry, but also um, knew the church very well, knew Church of Christ culture, all of that. Yeah. So he's been really um, valuable, uh, that relationship and continues to be. And uh, we, we meet together, you know, just not intentionally as a mentor-mentee relationship, but um, we get together quite a bit. Actually, just yesterday, we were um, playing pickleball together, and uh, that gets us to have some fun, but also, yeah, of course, we visit and talk about church and that kind of thing. So, so that relationship has been really special to me. You know, I'd also just kind of, um, if I didn't have to choose a specific person, I do sort of think of the entire congregation as being um, a sort of mentor relationship to me. Interesting. Living okay. out yeah. my, yeah, living out my faith with my family in this church, with these friends, with these shepherds uh, in this community of people um, that everyone sort of has a part in shaping me and in, in, um, in leading me and um, kind of honing, honing my skills, all of that. Um, so, and, and also not just the community, I would also emphasize education. Mm. And of course, we've already talked about HST, but that school in particular comes to mind 
not exactly a mentor sort of relationship. Again, I didn't have a teacher there that I met with consistently. Sure. Yeah. But Harding School of Theology and the professors there um, really did care about me as an individual, Mm -hmm. as a minister. And I felt like those classes that I had about every week or, or whenever um, going to Memphis and being part of those classes um, that those professors over there really did mentor me in a significant way. I don't think there's an either or of, well, there's either formal education where you're pursuing the degree or there's a mentor relationship where you're sitting down over coffee. Um, I'm not sure it's that, um, that sort of distinction is, is necessary. Um, there was a lot of overlap in my time um, at school there. So, yeah. Let me ask, um, what was it about the relationships? You mentioned the fact that you could tell that they cared about you, cared about yeah. you, your family, and uh, your your profession. That was definitely true in my case when I was there as well. Right. Um, what what kinds of things do you think they did specifically that indicated to you that you know, hey, we care about you. We want to see how you're doing, stuff like that. Well, the way it's structured, I think, has a lot to do with that. Um, the classes are fairly small for the most yeah. part. For those I who think- don't know, Harding School of Theology is, uh, you know, essentially, a, a, it's a small seminary. Um, but I, it's not at all a stretch to say that it's a, it's a very well-respected seminary, especially within mm-hmm. Churches of Christ, our, our particular fellowship. Right. Um, and is... Uh, I, I think the oldest of uh, graduate schools affiliated with churches of Christ in terms of schools of religion. Mm. Uh, I, I don't quote, don't quote me on that. <laughs> I won't. Yeah. I'm not sure either, but um, yeah, the, the, um, the classes were fairly small. Mm. Um, so there was time to, I felt like there was plenty of time in class to open up, to talk, um, that time was a great sort of reprieve from my ministry work. I did both at the same time I was doing school and ministry. Um, some people do, you know, all school for three years and then get a ministry job. Um, or yeah, but it really served me well to have both overlap cross pollinate between my education and my ministry. Yeah. And I just felt like the teachers, um, genuinely cared about me as a person, as a minister. They let me um, open up and talk about different things, um, bounce ideas off of them, take me out to eat, um, email correspondence with them, that sort Mm. of thing. I mean, they knew me. um, They knew what I was doing. They knew where I was serving. um, They asked about it. So yeah, just really, really caring environment that um, helped helped mentor me. The whole school did really. Yeah. It's, it seems like the the key factor there is uh, having opportunities to to build and strengthen your relationship with the folks over in Memphis and Mac, who's just up the road in Searcy from you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I can't I can't stress highly enough how much relationships like that have benefited me. And I, I, I've only been in, I, I've been working, you know, like in volunteer, you know, in churches for forever, but in terms of actually being, you know, on staff, this is my 
you know, fifth or sixth year in congregational ministry. So I haven't been doing it as long as you've been doing it, but I've noticed that e still those relationships with folks that uh, I went to school with in Searcy or in Memphis, those have really, in a lot of ways, those really sustained me hmm. even to this day. Right. Is, is that kind of how you, how you would, how you describe that? Yes, absolutely. And that's kind of an added benefit of going, getting an education, but getting an education from a place like that, even Harding undergrad um, and Harding School of Theology. Um, you know, you think, you might think going into it, I'm getting a degree, I'm going mm -hmm. to get a Master of Divinity, I'm going to read these books and learn these things, take these classes. And sometimes what gets left out is those friendships the relationships that you build, the networking that you have. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's the support system that, that you, um, yeah, that you're brought into, um, which is one of the richest and best things about my education. Not, not so much the master divinity, you know, uh, certificate thing on my wall, but um, those names and faces of people that have uh, poured into me and, and blessed me. So, yeah. To kind of bring some of this full circle, the just in the, the discussion that we have been having recently about about the importance of these kinds of relationships. You also mentioned networking too, yeah. and the benefit of all those. I would say, and I think you would agree with me, that the the relationships that we formed in those times, whether it's an undergrad or whether it's in graduate school or even postgraduate school, uh, you know, I had the benefit of at least being on campus with, uh, you know, with my doctoral students. It's a little bit different from yours, mm -hmm. uh, from your situation, but that's why I would throw in the mix for me as well that uh, postgraduate education, a lot of those relationships helped me deal with the realities of when ministry was hard and when I was feeling dragged down because I was trying to operate as if the church revolved around me, but was encountering resistance because no, it doesn't actually revolve around me. Mm -hmm. Right. Those relationships were sustaining. They were life-giving. Right. Um, yeah. yeah, go ahead. No, what a blessing that when that's already in place, you mm -hmm. know, by the time you it's kind of like exercising by the time that you realize if you've been running or working out for a couple of days straight and you're thirsty um, and get dehydrated, it's almost too late by that point. If you're not completely, you know, constantly pouring in drinking water to stay hydrated, once you get down and behind, um, you know, it could take you out for, for a while. Man, yeah. And I think it's like, you know, with um, in ministry, I know not everybody has that benefit, but, for younger folks who are thinking about an education or in an education, um, what, what a blessing to be building those relationships maybe before these storms hit so that, I mean, we don't know what we don't know, um, you know, but, yeah. but when those storms come, um, I'm sure there'll be more for me in the future. Um, just what a blessing to have people um, yeah. irreplaceable. That was uh, that actually segues pretty nicely into one of the other things that I had asked you. Yeah. How do you grow and stay fresh as a minister? Matt, what you and I have been, uh, been uh, hitting on here for the last few minutes 
is the importance, the absolute necessity of cultivating good, deep relationships yeah. with people, especially with people who understand to some degree what it is that we as ministers go through on a regular basis. Um, yeah. I would also want to ask, in addition to those relationships, are there, you know, are there particular, you know, resources, books, authors, other media, things along those lines that you consistently find yourself gravitating towards mm -hmm. because they, um, they enhance your teaching, they, um, they help you grow uh, in knowledge, they help you understand mm -hmm. people better. What are some of those things? Yeah, good. Well, um, I'll kind of, can I speak to one of the, fir sure, the first yeah. part of that Yeah. with friendships? Um, and I'm really, again, really blessed here. Mac is one of those, but there's uh, just other many friends that I have, my wife has here at this church. Um, and that's a huge reason why those friendships and relationships are irreplaceable and not just friendship in general, but friendship with those specific friends. Um, one reason, a huge reason why we both, my wife and I both feel very content here um, is we have those great relationships that can't necessarily be uh, sure we can meet, you know, new friends somewhere else or whatever, but yeah. um, man, these friends are special to us. I've had a, a group of friends at this church who um, there's about four or five of us, um, well, three or four of us who have um, had, we've read through different books together. And BB is kind of a unique place. I think that there's, again, I don't know what to compare BB to, but um, there are a handful of, of really, I think, um, thoughtful, sophisticated, sort of theologically minded people here, like mm -hmm. Mac and others. Um, and we've, we've had two or three of those, uh, well, three or four, I keep getting my numbers wrong, <laughs> in a reading group. And we've read through systematic theology books. We've read through ethic books, um, you know, different kind of, kind of heady stuff that like, I'm even, you know, really struggling through. And these, these other people in the church are kind of telling me what, what the book means. <laughs> I can be pretty dull and slow sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So they're helping me understand this, but we would meet uh, 6am Tuesday morning, every other week, read a chapter ahead of time, meet over breakfast to talk about it. That sort of relationship in the church. And I know I've heard people say before, I've heard this advice in I don't know if it's ever been advice in a class that I, I took, or I just hear ministers say this sort of thing that they can't, they don't feel like they can really have true relationships with people in the church, mm -hmm. that they've got to keep their guard up with people in the church. And if they're going to have real honest relationships with people, it's going to be people um, outside of the church. Um, and I would kind of say that that just seems very sad to me. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be either or, um, maybe both and. I have relationships yeah. with people outside of my church like you and, and other people um, that I feel like I could talk to if I needed to, and I do talk to. But I also have that in the church. And um, again, I, I hate to put a blanket statement out there to encourage everyone to you know share with everybody about everything. That's, of course, not what <laughs> right. I mean. Yeah. Don't do yeah. that. You have to be wise. Don't sure. you know, throw your pearls to swine, yeah. uh, that sort of thing. But boy, I, I just, 
I'm not really interested in playing that game. And if I'm going to be at a church, I'm going to be here and, and I'm, it's going to be me and I'm going to need to be able to be honest with people. I'm going to need to be able to be seen for who I really am. Um, So I think those relationships, I would just encourage, sometimes we're all, we are our own worst enemy and we get in our own way. And we kind of put limitations on ourselves that people would not understand if I shared this or whatever. And that may be true for some people, but, but maybe there's somebody in your church who would. And for me, that's been a huge um, reason why we're still here and love it here is because we have relationships like that. Yeah. You really do kind of wonder uh, for folks who, who feel that way about their, either their own ministries or they, they give that advice uh, for ministers you really kind of wonder if they are missing out on something. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, man. I think that's another way to uh, to kind of bring back up, like the second lesson you mentioned. Church doesn't resolve revolve around me. Um, I I am not. I, I don't need to make. Uh, I I don't need to make church a, a, a place where. I'm just on, I'm just here to perform, but not actually right. here to, uh, to be transformed. Be part of the church. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, right. Yeah. I mean, I am a member of this church and I think that's one of the uh, neat things, especially in churches of Christ polity that, um, the minister is, uh, we don't have much of a clergy laity distinction. In our yeah. yeah. It, yeah we're, we're pretty low church. Yeah, pretty low church. So um, maybe that's that's a an advantage for those who are church Christ and and listening to this. So. Yeah, yeah, Matt, I have I've enjoyed our time together yeah. today, and I really thank you. I really like how you have uh, hit home some important things about you know yes, how ministry is tough, and yes, I need to learn how to um, learn how to be humble. Um, and the ways that we can, ways that maybe we can mitigate some of the difficulties in ministry is to cultivate good and deep God-honoring relationships, both inside the churches that we work for mm-hmm. and also outside the churches. I think both and, like you said, is, yeah. uh, is a really good way to, to go about that. Before we wrap up here, Matt, is there any, any other kind of last point that you had uh, thought about and wanted to mention or uh, you know, kind of speak now forever, hold your peace? Yeah, thanks for that opportunity. I was thinking of, of one, one more thing to add, just that sort of goes back to some of the themes that have come up in this talk. And it's a quote by uh, Philip Brooks, who wrote about preaching a couple hundred years ago, who said, preaching is truth, speaking truth through personality. And I think that that's also ministry, that um, ministry looks like, whether you're a preacher or not, um, the gospel through personality. Hmm. And when I stand up in the pulpit every week, whether I want to be seen or not, I am seen. Mm -hmm. Uh, Matt is seen in the pulpit and people are looking at me for 20, 30 minutes every week and they're hearing me. Um, And if I imagine that I'm hiding things from them, um, I'm I'm probably not hiding as much as I think that I'm hiding. And so embracing that vulnerability has been um, big for me, that um, knowing that God wants to work in our church and he wants to work through me. And in order for him to do that well, I need to um, 
be the best me and the most transparent me, um, healthily trans transparent yeah. in the pulpit and in ministry. Um, and so that's, that's one of the lessons I've learned is to, um, allow myself to be seen. I'm still struggling to do that, but allow myself to be seen, to be known, um, and be vulnerable for people. Yeah, man. I, uh, to, to wrap us up here, I, I love what you just said that God wants to work in this church and he wants to work through me, through the, through us as the, as the ministers. That is especially helpful for when on occasion we encounter some kind of resistance, whether, whether justified or yeah, seemingly out of left field. Yeah. That's incredibly encouraging and, and comforting to know that even when someone might not understand what we're trying to do or, um, or might assume the worst motives about us or whatever the case may be, as happens sometimes with mm. ministers, thankfully not all the time, but as happens sometimes, mm. that regardless of that, God does still want to work through us to bless that Amen. bless Amen. us folks yeah matt really appreciate your time today yeah, today with us brother thank you very much thanks for the invite kevin yeah all right we'll talk to you later thanks bye